0: All right, take your, take your Bible and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter number two, Jeremiah chapter number two. And uh, as I was praying about what the Lord would have me preach on, I, we had a service at, at the dorm that I'm in, and several men, we come together and we, we preach the word of God to encourage one another, to strengthen. And one of these men brought a message from Jeremiah, and it says, as so often throughout the whole book, the word of Jeremiah to the son of uh, Hilkiah. Hilkiah through the priests in Ananias or Anthros in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. The word of the Lord. And as I was beginning to think about this, the word of the Lord came. He says, the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And as we begin in, in chapter number two, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. And as I began to thought about this, the idea that what we hold in our hands, what I will bring forth to you today, is not of myself only, but it is the word of the Lord. And I, I pray that you have come expecting to hear from the Lord, expecting to receive great things, but also expecting to change, as Paul writes, to be more conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. Let's begin in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness, in the land that was not shown. Israel was holiness unto the Lord, and in the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend, evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity... Have your fathers found in me that they are gone far from me and have walked after vanity and are become vain? Neither said they, Where is the Lord that brought us out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through the land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, Ye defiled my land, and made mine an heritage an abomination. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. Wherefore, I will plead with you, saith the Lord. With your children's children will I plead, for... For pass over the isles of Chittim the sea, and send unto Kedar, the, consider the diligently, and see it. See if there be such a thing. How the nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. Verse 13, For my people have committed two evils, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Father, I pray that you would be with us even tonight. Lord, may your spirit come down. Father, I pray that you would convict the hearts, prick those that are here. May we be bold for your name, Father, but also be more conformed into the image of your Son and get rid of the broken cisterns that we have in our hearts. Lord, that we would live a life of faith fervently for you. And not as Israel, turn our backs. If we have, Lord, those of us that are here, may we diligently come after you, because you are pleading for us. We ask these things that you would get all honor and glory, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. We often find ourselves wandering in wilderness, wondering why we're in the state that we are in. Often, emptiness, loneliness, as Israel is seen in Judges going back through this cycle of of turning away from God, bringing to a low point, bringing brought to repentance, turning back to the Lord, living life lavishly, and then forgetting the Lord and going back into sin and this cycle over and over and over again. And I know I'm talking to the Sunday evening crowd, people who are diligently in the Lord, but as we see here, there was a point in Israel's life where they were fervent with the Lord. They were the Lord's righteousness. They were fruitful. And I wonder today, I'm asking tonight, if you find yourself in this position that you're in a wilderness, you're in the rut, you have begun to live life in such a way that you're comfortable. You've begun to live life in such a way that the Lord would see it as vain, because we know that without faith it is impossible to please Him. Beginning in verse 1, moreover, the word of the Lord came unto him, to Jeremiah, and God said to go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee. The Lord remembers us. He remembered us whenever we were so humbled, when we realized that Jesus Christ was the only way, and we humbled ourselves, accepting Christ's penalty, uh, sorry, accepting that Christ died for our sin debt. And we gave our lives to him. He's remembered that that act of faith that we have given to him. He's he's remembered as we continue to read here the the loving kind the, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espouses, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness. The Lord remembers when we were so kind and so diligent as a child to give the gospel, to be living for others. He remembers the the love of thine espousals of a, of a new of a newly new couple who's getting ready to be married. The love that we had for the Lord, and then as you see here, the we went after the Lord in the wilderness that was not sown. When we were diligent to see souls saved, that we had a life full of faith to go after the Lord. He remembers these things from when we were but young. He remembers these moments in our life where we gave all to Him. And he remembers these things, and it breaks his heart, because as, it, as we see in verse 3, Israel was holiness unto the Lord, the first fruits of His increase. All that devour Him shall be offended, but here's what he says, Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. He's remembered all of these good things. The wonderful shining light that Israel was, the wonderful shining light that many of us once were, And yet, he says, we are brought in a state, we're living in a life, and he says that what's going to happen is evil shall come upon them. Why is this evil going to come upon them? Why, if if they've been living a life so fervently for the Lord, why in those seasons when we're so on fire for God, does it seem that after time is spent, after we move on, that evil has come upon us? We're living our own ways and things become more difficult. Why? What, What has happened? And God says, hear ye the word of the Lord, or hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? The first thing the Lord does is he remembers the goodness that he has given to us through his son. All on fire we were, and this burdens him because he looks on us now and he sees that we have lived in a state in such that he questions, what iniquity Have your fathers found in me that they have gone far from me? The Lord remembers our kindness, but also He questions us. He questions what what has gone on because we have, secondly, we have rebelled. What injustice has God done to us that we have turned far from Him? That's the way He views it. All the good things that He has brought into our life, and yet now we live our lives in comfort. We live our lives going our own way. We live our lives in such a way that it's almost that we forget who God is. We turn away from Him. We're living our own lives and that He questions, Have I done anything wrong to you that you would turn away from me? After I've given you good thing, after good thing, after good thing, have I done anything wrong to you that you would live your own life? Have you remembered? He continues on and says, that they are far from me, they have walked after vanity and become vain." He looks upon us, he looks upon these Israelites, and he sees that they were once living a life of holiness, they were once living a life serving the Lord, striving after Him, and they are found in a position now today where they're going after vain things. They're going after vain gods, they're living their own way, trying to satisfy themselves because the Lord has brought them to a fruitful and plentiful land where they're, they're satisfied. It's easy living, and He's done this so that they can worship Him in such a greater way, but instead they have gone into comfort. They've gone into slothfulness, and from that they've slidden, they've slidden further down and turned to other gods, they've turned to other ways, they've turned to satisfy themselves, and the Lord said, This is all vain. It is all empty, so much so this has consumed their lives that it is their identity, they have become vain. Is your identity, is your life before the eyes of the Lord, an empty life? A vain life. One that has no fruit, one that is 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 completely empty. In verse 6, he brings up this, this question. Neither, neither have they said, Where is the Lord that brought us out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through the lands of the deserts, and pits, through a land of drought and of shadow of death, through a land that no man passeth through, and where no man dwelleth?" They have gone into such state of complacency as oftentimes I have found myself such a state of complacency where I can cruise through life because things are so easy that I don't even question, where's the Lord? I'm I'm making decision after decision my own way. I'm making uh, step after step doing things that please myself. And I'm not asking, where's the Lord in this direction? Where's the Lord in the path that I'm going? Where is the Lord in what I want to do? I'm so far from Him, we're so far from Him, that we don't even recognize that his presence is consciously with us. Of course God is with us always even unto the end of the world, but we're so far we've turned our back so far from him that we forget what it is to be consciously in the presence of the Lord. We don't ask where's this Lord that has brought us out of the land of Egypt that has led us through the wilderness. Where is this power that is so much greater than anything we can do because we've, we've gotten comfortable. We've gotten comfortable to live our own ways, to do things our own strength, and stuff gets done. Of course, stuff is going to get done for a while, but again, without faith it is impossible to please Him. Without living a life completely dependent on the Lord, without living a life in full faith of God, it is impossible to please Him. And here the Israelites have found themselves living in a life where they're not asking where that power is. They're not asking where the Lord is that has brought them through the, de- the wilderness, who has brought them out of the Egypt. They're living their own way. And he continues... And God, God, as, we, as He states this rebellion that we live that we live in, I have brought you unto a plentiful country to eat of the fruit of the, to eat of the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine inheritance an abomination, an abomination. This is that idea, as I said earlier, where God has brought us into this place of comfort, this beautiful nation, where we have so many freedoms. But as you see, the church, many people, have lived their lives in this comfort. Yes, they've accepted Jesus Christ, but they've gone stagnant. They're no longer living a life of faith. Are you living a life of faith, but have you, have you turned, turned so much into this comfort of this nation, this comfort of the freedoms that we have, that you don't ask where the presence of the Lord is, and in an essence, you have turned the fruitfulness, this this opportunity that we have to preach the gospel into a desert land, into an abomination, defiling the land of the Lord that He's given. Letting evil grow because you're not bold enough to preach the gospel, because you're not bold enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ to your neighbor, to those that are around you. And this land has become an abomination. The heritage of the Lord that He's given to us has gone away. Now, before I continue on, as as you read, I want I want to turn to First uh, Peter, First Peter two, verse nine. Peter is writing, and he speaks to the believers. He says, "But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people." But now are the people of God, which have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter is writing and saying that every single believer is a priesthood under God, is a royal priesthood. They have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light to do what? To show forth the praises of Him who hath called us. To show forth the praises, the good things of the Lord. And what is the greatest thing? Who is is that good thing? That is Jesus Christ. To show forth what Christ has done for others on the cross. What Christ has done for all of us on the cross. That is why we are a royal priesthood. That is why He has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. And so when God has told Jeremiah to preach, He says this in verse 8, The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handle the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied Baal, and walked after things that do not profit. When God looked on the state of the land, after remembering how on fire the people were, how much of a holy and bright light they were, and He saw how evil things had turned, how complacent the people had gotten, He said to the priests, which is all of us, He said to the people there, He said, the priests... Said not, where is the Lord? Now let's think a minute. What are, what are the priests? What did they do? Who are they? They're the ones that went to the temple. They're the ones who were closest to the presence of the Lord in the holy of holies. They're the ones that went before God to offer the sacrifices for the people, the people who should know God, the people who should be around God, and they didn't ask. They didn't ask, where is the Lord? That means when they served, when they went to offer sacrifices, when they went to do things for God, what the thought? no thought in their mind came across to, is this for Him? Am I doing this for God? Anything that they did, and the, not, not even in the forefront of their mind, it wasn't even a thought that came across, was where is God in the center of everything that I'm doing? The royal priesthood that we are today, is it in the center of your thought, is the Lord in what I'm doing? Am I serving Him? Am I glorifying Him? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Are you living a life that is pleasing to the Lord? Is every thought, every step pleasing for Him? Or does, he, does is when He looks upon you, is he, when He looks upon your life, is it viewed as something that's vain? Are you a royal priest who has not asked, who has completely forgotten, where is the Lord? And he moves on, he continues, And they that handle the law knew me not. They that had the Scriptures, they that had what God had written down, the law, those that should know every word that God has given to the people, they studied it diligently, they knew Him not. Today we have the entire canon of Scripture, the Old and the New Testament, Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection is behind us, and as a believer we have accepted that, and we have, the pers- we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we carry with us in our houses, or where we walk around, or at many of us in classes, the Word of God, and it is even found on our cell phones. We have the law. We have it so plentifully, so easily. You can open it up in a park. You can you can open it up anywhere and read it, study the word of the Lord. But here's the issue: Do you know Him? You might be able to tonight, as so as many of us who, who are older and, and well in years and have read time after time, many times through the scriptures. You might be able to quote so much. You might be able to to read, you know, quote John three sixteen, quote the whole passage of John three. But it doesn't matter because unless you know Him, and that is an experiential knowledge of God. Have you gone so far from Him? Have you gone so far from the Lord, living a life that is just checklist after checklist? Yes, I study the Word of the Lord. Yes, I offer my sacrifices, but I'm not asking where the presence of the Lord is. Yes, I'm reading God's Word and studying it, but I'm not asking where His presence is. I don't experientially know Him. I'm not living a life of faith. I'm not living a life that is pleasing to Him, and I've completely forgotten Him. Are you living that sort of life? When God looks on you, when God looks on the way that you're living, is it one that is a vain? Is it one that is vanity? They that handle the law knew me not. They have not experienced me. The pastors also transgress. This idea of a pastor as a shepherd. And a shepherd is one who leads the sheep. So those that were in charge, the leaders, those who are fathers, leaders of a household, those who are the pastors of the church, those who are leading the people spiritually, they transgressed against the Lord. What does that mean? That means they turned their backs on Him. They rebelled against God. They saw the truth. They knew what was right. And they said, you know what? We're going to go our own way. I'm going to lead the people in this direction, the leaders of our nation, the leaders of the church, the leaders of the house, your families, men. Are you leading them in such a way that is a transgression unto the Lord? Are you leading by example in a way that turns from God, turns your children, turns your family? Our pastors today, as we see in so many churches, preaching this prosperity gospel, they're leading these people astray. When God looks upon the people, they knew Him not. They didn't ask where His presence were, where He, where he was, and they transgressed. They turned against Me. The leaders did. And the prophets prophesied Baal and walked after things that do not profit. That is the teachers, Sunday school teachers, your normal teachers in the schools, normal teachers in any form of education, anybody who's over authority of people, giving them some sort of instruction, have turned away. And in this case, they taught... Baal. They taught of another god. They taught of another religion. Whether it is, it could be uh, evolution or Islam or any any other sort of false uh, false ideology, uh, humanism. They have turned away and they begin to teach the people something so false and into a path that is not profitable. What are you teaching your children? What are the churches in America teaching today? What are the Sunday schools teaching today? If you're over a Sunday school, is it completely conformed to God, giving Him glory? Wherefore, I will yet plead with you, saith the Lord. After all of these things, after God has brought into remembrance the people and how they used to be so on fire for God, how they were such a light, how they were a righteousness in His eyes, they were fruitful bearing, and He looks on them today in this, in this portion of Scripture, and as He might look on us today in, in this land, in America, and in many of your lives, and, and in many times in my own life, how we've li- begun to live a life of vanity, a life of comfort, a life of faithlessness. And we might even not be, be caring as to where the Lord is in our own life, going our own path in our own direction. And yet, we get to verse 9, and the Lord says, Wherefore... I will yet plead with you. And the third point is, God redeems. God wants to redeem us. You see, He not only remembers, we not only have rebelled, but God, looking at us in this state of such brokenness, is pleading with us. And this idea of redemption, as is Jesus Christ, He paid our debt on the cross so He could buy us back into a relationship with Him. And if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you, you do not understand exactly the full, the full weight of this word, but those of us who understand and know that Jesus Christ, everything He went to, everything that God had done for us so that we could have a relationship with Him, and yet we've forsaken Him. We've, we've turned our back. We've begun to live a life in vanity, and completely disregarding any sort of presence in anything that we do. He's pleading with us, this idea of redeeming us again, to, to bring us back again into his fold, to, to say, I want, you in my, I want you to be in my presence, I want you to be with me. He is pleading with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. He's not going to stop at you, he's going to go after your children, he's going to after, go after your, your grandchildren. The Lord loves us so much that he wants to be in constant fellowship with you. He wants to be in constant fellowship with us, even in this state of such brokenness, even in this state of such rebellion. He says, I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and I will plead with your children's children, will I plead. And he, he, he gives this idea, he tells them, for pass over the isles of Chittim, and see, and send unto Kedar, and consider diligently and see, if there be such a thing, hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods. But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. He's like, look everywhere else in the world. Look at all the people who are worshipping all these different kinds of things. Look, look at Muslims, for example. Look at Muslims, for example, who diligently pray to Allah five times a day who are diligently committed to the Quran and everything that is, those, the practices of Muhammad. And look at those people, and they are so focused on glorifying Allah. They are so focused on diligently serving Him, so focused on reaching others. And yet we live our lives in such a way that we disregard even the presence of the Lord with us. We go and, and glorify in our own ways. This idea of idolatry. They have turned, but my people have changed their glory from that which doth not profit. Hath a nation changed their gods? Has your cell phone become an idol? Has your job become an idol? Has your own glory become an idol? What, whatever it is that distracts you from serving the Lord, it is an idol. Our focus daily should be on the Lord. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. God says, look at all these people, look at all other nations, and you're not going to see something as broken, something as twisted as this, where my people that I have brought out of Egypt, my people that I have given so many good things, they have turned their glory for that which doth not profit. They have turned their glory into something that is empty and vain. He said, be astonished. O ye heavens, at this, and be horribly afraid, be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have one, forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and two, hewn them out, cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. From wilderness, to vanity, You go from these valleys in your life, from a great need to the Lord, on your knees in prayer, begging, begging Him to answer, to, to, to come through for you. And you're diligently after the Lord, and He answers your prayer, and He helps you, and He brings you through this wilderness, but He doesn't take you to some mediocre place. He gives you the greatest of greatest, the greatest land, great peace. And He, he brings you to a place where you can worship Him without without distraction completely focused on him and what we often find ourselves is this this rut of complacency where things are easy going and we can check off reading our bible and we can check off going to church and we can check off reading uh, we can check off praying and we don't reach those that are next to us we live a life of faithlessness we go and make our own decisions our own way bringing our own glory to ourselves without with complete disregard to the lord and we have hewn out our own cisterns, our own broken cisterns that can hold no water. And this idea it was, is very evident in the Middle East, this idea of living water. It is so dry, it is so desolate, you cannot survive unless you are near, near water or you have water brought to you. And Israel, these, these Israelites would have understand this so clearly, so perfectly, when he says, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. This isn't just normal water. It is life-giving, abundantly water. Water that will satisfy, that will fill, and enough to, for everybody. It is, it is living water for all of the people. And instead, when they looked upon this water, they saw this, this great opportunity. They said, you know what? I don't want it. I want to go my own way. I want to find my own water. And when, when they want to live in their own place, and, and maybe they, they, they'll come to the water every once in a while with their own cistern and say, I don't, I don't want to park here and stay by the water, but I'm going to take my own cistern, my own, my own container, my own vessel, and dip it into the water, and I'm going to walk back exactly to where I used to be, and I'm going to settle here. The only problem is, is they're broken cisterns six cisterns that cannot hold the water. So when they take it and they go back to live their own lives, they find out that it is just as empty as it was before. And then they have to go back. They go back and they pick up the water and they come and they settle back into the sin that they used to be. And it is empty just as it once was before because they do not want to settle at the living water. They have hewn, they have made their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Are we a people today that have decided to live our own way, to settle on the other side, and to come to church? to come to church and to pick up a little bit of water, to either check off that list when we read our Bible or when we pray, to pick up that little water that is true living water and say, you know what, I, I know the truth. I know I should be living this right way, but I'm going to go back home and I'm going to settle in my sin. I'm going to turn back to the ways that I used to be. And you'll find out that it comes empty and empty and empty again. And you'll pray and you'll ask the Lord, why is nothing happening in my life? Why, am I so, why, is, why is life so vain? What is, what is going on? There was a season in my life where I was so on fire for the Lord. There was a season in my life where I was was right with you. And that is because you were living at the water. You were by the living water. You weren't turning away from it and trying to get just a little bit at a time and living off of your own broken cistern as Israel was. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living water, this idea of forsaking, is to completely turn back. To turn away, and I and I ask I ask your, ask yourself if you're living a life that is turned away from the Lord, that isn't in disregard for Him. We know that the only way to please the Lord is through is please the Lord is through faith. That must mean that we are then living a life of faithlessness. You're living a life of faith, faithlessness. And what is faith? Faith is doing the impossible thing. Faith, as James says, he'll show, he'll show his, his faith by his work. I, I believe what the idea that James is talking about is, is not faith through, through his works and getting salvation, but a faith that is proving itself. A faith that is going out and living in complete dependence on the Lord, focused on Him. And, and one of those ways that you can do it is by sharing, giving tracts. One of those ways that you can do it is sharing the gospel with your friends, with your family, that you know are going to reject you. Are you living, living a life of faith? How do you please the Lord? It is only possible, only possible by living a life of faith. You see, sin is not only an act of commission, but an act of omission. The Lord says, go ye unto all the earth. Go ye therefore, go, go, go. And we find ourselves often living a life of complacency living a mediocre Christian life where I can not do all these wicked things. I won't be as evil as Asheville is, but I'll live in my place in Hendersonville or Fletcher wherever it is, and I'll do, do my nine-to-five job and live a mediocre Christian life, show up to church, I'll pray, I'll tithe, but I won't live a life of faith. I'll live a life of comfort. I'll live a life of comfort, and I'll do my own thing, and eventually it leads to you in this state where, where is the Lord in my life? What is happening? And then eventually it will lead to you in a state of you falling into this sin. And you'll, you'll continue and continue and continue. And you'll find yourself as Israel was. Living a life of complete vanity and disregard of the presence of the Lord. Where have you found yourself tonight? My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. And they have hewn out cisterns. Broken cisterns. That can hold, that can hold no water. Without faith... It is impossible to please Him. When was the last time that you strived to do something, or to pray for something that you couldn't do on your own, and without God's help, and acted in a way that you expected Him to answer? When was the last time you lived in faith? When was the last time you lived in a state consciously aware of the Lord's presence in your own life? I pray that you do not find yourself, even tonight, in this state as Israel was. I pray that tonight would be the night that you change things if you are living in this rut. And I pray that if you do not know this living water, if you do not know Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life, and accepted Him as your own personal Savior, that He died on the cross for your sin debt, and that He was buried and rose again victorious over the grave, that you might spend the rest of eternity in relationship with Him. If you do not know that, I pray that you would come, because your sisters. The, 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 the water that you are trying to get from your cisterns is broken and you'll find time and time again that you come empty handed, that it is vain and that you do not have